Alright, welcome back to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, content manager of so-called fantasy experts and founder of fantasysixpack.net. My co-host is on the line. What's going on, AJ? You there? Hello, hello? Uh, hello? Hey, what's going on, man? <laughs> hey, helps if you unmute me first. Yeah, I pressed the button about 15 seconds ago. That was pretty awesome. Great great software once again, Blog Talk Radio. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my music isn't supposed to play for 25 seconds every time anyway, So, but it, it does. So that's... It's pretty awesome. I work with what I got. Anyway, man, um, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Give me, uh, give me about five seconds here. Got some baby uh, dog issues. I'll be right back. <laughs> All righty. While he attends to those duties, we will uh, tell you a little bit about the show tonight. So we're gonna cover the NFL draft. Um, a lot of players selected that are going to possibly impact the fantasy football world in 2016. Uh, rookies have become more and more important in the land of fantasy football over the past few years. Uh, I've about five, eh, probably even as recent as three years ago, you probably would not have caught me drafting any rookies, but, you know, the, these young guys are coming in. Um, they're, they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. They're, they're being coached up pretty well. And they're, they're just able to come in and, and make a, a pretty immediate impact. And it's, uh, it, it says a lot, to be honest. So that's, it, you know, you, you think about guys in, in the past couple of years here, you know, uh, it kind of started with the Doug Martin year where he kind of burst onto the scene and, and, and really, really took fantasy football leagues by storm as, as a rookie. Uh, of course he dropped off for the first few years after that, but you know, he, he was really, really good. They're on out, you know, Andrew Luck, we've seen do, do well, RG three do well as a rookie. So you get these, you get these guys that are, that are good right off the bat, which is unusual. Um, or had been unusual, I guess. So, um, <laughs> but I, I want to start off. You are back, okay? Yeah. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> that's all right, man. Got to do your thing. I understand. Um, yeah, we so yeah, I mean, I was just saying to how how we uh, you know we've had more and more rookies every single year. It feels like become fantasy relevant players in fantasy football. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to definitely cover a bunch of them tonight. And uh, with the help of Richard Seville from fantasy six pack.net uh, helping us trudge through the waters there and, and let you know who you want to make a target for your fantasy leagues coming up this season. But AJ, I want to start off by something. I think it's kind of funny. I feel like you've been in this boat many, many times. The the start of a head-to-head matchup in any any fantasy league, but take baseball for instance. Uh, you you know you get matched up against 
one of the guys in the league that that you've known for a little bit longer than the next, and so you decide you're going to play a little fun and, and poke him and you know talk some trash. I think it's funny when people talk trash at the beginning of the matchups. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my luck, but I it usually backfires on me when I have it happen to me. Um, and it, it's funny because I bring it up because it happened to the guy I was playing this week in our league. He he was like, you ready to get a whooping? And I'm like, all right, whatever, man. I'm like, it's the fourth week of the season. I don't really care if I lose. Like, it's not a big deal. I'll figure it out. But, you know, he was having fun. It's cool. But I ended up I ended up only beating him set six to four. But I had at a couple different times in the matchups, like seven to three, eight to two. And one of the big things, even funnier, he, he talked a lot of trash about his offense over my offense. And I'll, I'll give him credit. His offense is probably better than mine overall. But my offense then ended up hitting 11 home runs to his three. <laughs> so it really backfired on him. And I don't know. It just struck me as funny. It's just something that, like, whenever I do it to somebody, it backfires, and it definitely happened in reverse this time. So I just I thought it was funny. I know you talk trash a lot, so. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've I've gotten much more mellow in my old age and domesticated lifestyle, I guess. But yeah, I still throw some uh, throw some jabs out there when I can. Uh, definitely, if it's somebody like you said that I've you know known, you know, for years or something like that, you know, a couple of my leagues, I've got a couple guys in there that are, you know, just I've been friends with them growing up and stuff like that too. So I've known him for a long time as it is. And then we've been playing against each other for, you know, five, six, seven years plus. So it's always fun to, uh, to poke the bear. Uh, I guess where it got me in trouble was early on when I just didn't know anybody and I would just run out and be running my mouth and like just bullshitting, you know, the entire league basically. And then, you know, people are just like, what, what's going on? I, I don't even know who this is or why they're being so angry towards me. And it's just like, <laughs> dude, it's part of the game. Just, just, just take it. I mean, what's the problem here? You know, live a little. People, people are, and that's the problem with society in general today. Everybody's so offended by everything. You know, people are offended by being offended, I feel like. So it's just a ridiculous world we live in at this point. But yes, um, I will, to, I will agree with you. Not to bust into a rant early in the show. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, I, I will agree with you a little bit there, but yes, I don't know. When you start throwing the, throwing the F-bombs on the, on the message boards before the season starts, and uh, you and know I, maybe one person in the league – that sometimes can look look pretty bad, so might be frowned upon. Hey. I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest doing that. Go big or go home. All right, you know if you're <laughs> if you're coming to play ball and you're coming to talk smack, talk the smack. Otherwise, don't come out there and be like, uh, I I heard you got a bad haircut, and uh, you know Bryce Harper' mom wouldn't go out with you. Like, what the hell is that? Like, don't even send that my way because you'll just get annihilated, A, in conversation, and B, in the matchup for the sheer stupidity of that comment. I don't have anything to say to that because that was probably one of the worst put-downs ever 
So I would hope exactly that nobody would ever point. say that. Exactly my point. I don't even know. We need to move on. We have a lot to cover, <laughs> and I believe Richard is on the line. So let's bring him on and get into this NFL draft talk. Richard, are you there? I am here, Joe. What's going on, me? man? Yes. Uh, it's been a while. What's uh, going good. on, man? Uh, just uh, taking in the draft and taking in some of the stuff you guys are saying about uh, about trash talking. You know something? I I don't trash talk. For some reason, it, like you say, it backfires on me. The fantasy gods hate it when I do it. For some people, yes. like... Uh, <laughs> The fantasy gods seem to put put a target on me if I ever try it. Pretty sure backfired on me. I used to, too. I used to, but I used to like. I never used to initiate it, but I used to fire back, and then every time I fire back, I, it's like, yeah, yeah, you were right. I got and I get crushed, and uh, on the weekend. So yeah, there was this. Uh, I was in a hockey league uh, last year. And there was this guy. He was a great trash talker, though. He was funny. He had. Uh, he had a good way about it, you know, and it sort of made it fun. And uh, so I, I don't mind it if a guy's got a good attitude about it, but some guys can be real dorks. Or uh, or, or dicks like AJ. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was that was your haircut I was talking about there, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no hair. I've got no uh, hair. I got no hair to speak of. Well, I got, I, you know, some there, but I... I I've given up on I've given up on on the hair thing now. So uh, I well I'm more the comb over. I probably no. have more hair on my face than you do on your head. Then if the, if you're oh the my gosh. hair. Yes, <laughs> I probably have more hair on my face. beard. I have an epic yeah. playoff beard. <laughs> you're not a hockey fan. What are you talking about? By the way, I haven't checked how the cap's doing anyway. Uh, they're gonna blow it like they always do in the second round. This is what they do. So it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna lose to Pittsburgh again. But anyway, um, yeah. So talking about people blowing it, um, what do you, what do you think about Jeremy Tunsil, man? Did Did you guys actually see that video of him smoking a bong through a gas mask? You mean Laramie Tunsil? Laramie Tunsil? I, I didn't know yes. There was, I, uh, no, I you know, he, Jer- Jeremy. Apparently, it, apparently it was his twin brother. That's how he got away with it. No, Laramie yeah. Tunsil. Thank you. Um, it was close. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> I, don't, you guys, I don't ever give you a break. There's no fun in me giving you a break. Anyway, go on. Bong hits. Uh, epic bong hits. Real gas mask. Uh, not not highly recommended. Um, no, I've never done it, it myself, but uh, I've heard things, and uh, that's that's a quick way to to definitely get to a different world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it uh, definitely made him slide in the draft like a big old idiot he was. Um, I mean, it's one thing to do it; it's another thing to get videotaped doing it, and then. All sorts of other random stuff started coming out about him, and he admitted to all of it. Like, taking money from Old Miss. He admitted to doing it on air. Smart guy. The Miami Dolphins are in good hands. 
the mind wanders. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't even know. It just it was definitely the highlight of the draft to me. I was laughing pretty hard when I saw it. Um and just the fact that yeah, this guy's a big idiot pretty much is what it looks like. Good football player, but he's a big idiot and I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, suspended out of the league in a few years because of it. So Hopefully Miami can do something with him in that time. Anyway, so let's move on to some quarterback talk here. Um, you know, obviously, one, two, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. Um, start off here with Jared Goff, Richard. What do you, uh, what do you, what do you, what are you thinking about this guy? Uh, year one. Year one, actually, I I prefer him over over Wentz, and I think I had right from the start. I think the Rams. Uh, it's a good place for him. He's uh, and I think it'll raise. Uh, it might raise uh, some of the value of those receivers on the Rams finally, because uh, there really hasn't been much, much to it. I mean, you look at Kenny Britt and Brian Quick. What have they done over the past two years? Not not much. Tavon Austin. Okay, he came up a little bit last year, and uh, he's sort of a running back. Uh, running back, wide receiver, in-between scat back sort of thing. But uh, I think Goff, I, I'm really looking forward to Goff. If if I was in a dynasty league, Goff would be, I'd, I'd want Goff. Um, Wentz is probably going to come along, but uh, you'll probably want to get into him a little bit later. But uh, as for Goff, um, I, think there's a real, I think there's a real plus for him. He's sort of my, uh, he's sort of my, um, well, I think he's better than coming coming out of the gate than maybe even Winston or Mariota from last year, or on a par at least. But I mean, so like, do you, do you think do you think Goff or Wentz start year one? I think Goff does. I don't think Foles or Keenum. Do you think uh, he should? Case Keenum will we'll get a. a I think I think there'll be I think there'll be a charge for the job. I think it'll go, but I think you got to remember it's an all or nothing year for Jeff Fisher really, and uh, I, I can see Jeff Fisher. I mean he's kind of in Wisenhunt's position from last year, and uh, so I don't know. He might go for broke on someone like Goff, but of course it depends on training camp, of course. And uh, who wins the job ultimately? I mean, they're all going to be trying for it, but I think Goff can win it, or at least at least see a, a fair number of starts in 2016. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, see, I, mean, I don't see Wentz playing this year. I mean, unless Bradford somehow gets traded, which the Eagles have come out and said they're not doing, um, and they've they've actually you know shut down his agent from talking to other teams about a potential trade. So it sounds like, you know, they're going with what they've said all along and Bradford's going to be the guy. Now, whether or not he's going to help Wentz, you know, to to mature and grow and learn uh, because of this disdain he has now that they've drafted him um, or if he's going to just, you know, be an ass and go out and play his game and not help out. You know that that's to be seen. You know he he came in, he signed a contract, he needs to live up to it. You know no matter what, in my opinion. But I don't think Wentz will start unless 
he somehow gets traded or there's injuries. Uh, yeah, well, Bradford Bradford's in a bit of a funk right now. He he wanted to be traded, if you remember, uh, around March, uh, early April, because he knew this was coming. So Bradford's in not a very happy spot at the moment because uh, Wentz is coming in and he's you know he's feeling a little bit pushed out. But uh, uh, I'll be wondering right now, as it stands. You're right, Bradford's got the job. I would say. But it's kind of he's on shaky ground. It uh, training camp, new coach, gotta see. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like the whole situation is kind of a mess. I don't really know why the Eagles. We, I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I don't. We don't really know why the Eagles were going after this guy in the first place. He just signed Bradford to the big contract. I don't know. It it was a weird move. AJ, I think as an Eagles fan, you can agree it was it was kind of a mind-boggling trade slash pick. Um, you got you need help elsewhere. Bradford's not great, but he was man, he was usable. Um, yeah, he's he is totally you know worthless in the pocket. He he can't run the ball. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what what he does this year in the new offense and and how he can, you know, like I said, hopefully come through, uh, not only in getting wins for the team, but also for getting, you know, some some tutelage going with Wentz and letting him learn the ropes a little bit. And, and uh, you know, how many looking at it think? more as an honor to be the guy that gets to teach this franchise quarterback. How many starts do you think, uh, A.J.? Joe. For Bradford or Wentz? Wentz. I hope zero, but I have a you bad feeling that um but you know, with Bradford's injury history and his pouting, I could easily see Wentz just you know, the locker room turning on Bradford a little bit, people not wanting to play very hard for him. So the team starts off bad, and then they just say, screw it, we're going to turn to Wentz early, and he's going to end up starting like eight games. That's just that's just what I kind of have a bad feeling is going to happen. And it's going to, I think it's going to hurt Wentz's, um, you know, uh, what's the, what's the word I'm saying? His... Debut uh, in time, uh, yeah. No, well, I was going to say, like, his future, like, his growth. I think it's going to hurt his growth in in the league. So, you know, yeah. I think you know, it's best that, you know, that's that's what I'm afraid is going to happen. So, I hope it does not, though. And, you know, that, that gets me to another guy, the, the next quarterback that was taken, Paxton Lynch. I think the the Broncos are clearly desperate here. Um, at – Sanchez, Mr. Butt Fumble on the roster. And, I mean, you've got to think, he's got to be the starting quarterback now, right? I mean, they're not going after Fitzpatrick, clearly. And unless they can somehow trade for Bradford, but I just get the feeling that's not going to happen now. Um, I mean, how many games does Paxton Lynch start? And I don't think he should start either. I mean, he was already a second, third round kind of projected talent in this draft and first round guy it's crazy yeah yeah I uh, think... Lynch... go ahead go ahead richard all right 
uh, I was going to say, I, just to answer the, the initial question with Wentz, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think he'll start any games this year. Uh, maybe I, I would say at most, you know, bearing injury, two to three games would be, you know, and that's that's if the Eagles fall flat and you know are at the bottom of the ranks and they're just looking to see what they have. So, go ahead on Paxton. Where I'm coming from on, on Paxton Lynch is, is that, well, first of all, they tried to keep Osweiler, and here's Paxton Lynch. He's got, you know, they seem to, uh, he's another tall quarterback. Um, Mark Sanchez, we all know, he's just a stop gapper to, to, uh, to hold the fort until they can get Lynch ready. So uh, it remains to be seen. What I'm really concerned about is the receiving core. Sanchez. Yes. Sanchez to Sanders and uh, Demarius Thomas and uh, and the other guy. So I, but you know I think it's another I think it's another season where the defense carries the Broncos, um, sadly, and we have to be and you have to be wary of uh, drafting Sanders or Thomas uh, of of the. Uh, the abilities of the of the person throwing them the ball. Yeah, I'll tell and you what, that, with you know, uh Demarius, I, I definitely have had him on my team as a keeper for the past few years and I was going even before Peyton retired, just with how he played this year and how Demarius just really wasn't that worthwhile to own. I mean he still had a decent season overall, but I don't think he had more than one touchdown, maybe, if even that. I mean, he was he was dreadful to own on that, so you were counting on yardage output for him. But I pretty much already chalked him up as a non-keeper for me this year, and he would have been like an eighth or ninth round pick for me this year, uh, the way that I had it set up. So I could I, I could just, easily let I could easily let him go in back into the back into the pool. Yeah, I could. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. I could easily let uh, Thomas go back into the pool. Yeah, so, I, won't, and, I won't be going after either one of those guys. It's the they're. I, I don't like the quarterback situation. Neither one of them was very good. You know, with with Osweiler, I don't think they're going to be any better with with Sanchez or Paxton Lynch. But the the last quarterback that I want to talk about that I think even has a remote chance of, of playing time is Christian Hackenberg. This guy, I mean, after his rookie year or rookie, after his freshman year at Penn State, I mean, he was being talked about being like, oh, he's absolutely going to be the number one pick the year he comes out. And, you know, big, tall, strong kid, got the arm, got the presence. And then Bill O'Brien leaves Penn State and everything falls apart for him. And they didn't get drafted by the Jets. And this is a really peculiar move to me from the Jets. You know, yeah, they don't have Fitzpatrick anymore and they're apparently not signing him, which seems weird to me. Um, But they've got Geno Smith, who I don't really like, but he has shown some flashes of 
of, you know, good enough play to be able to be a starting quarterback in this league. And then they drafted Bryce Petty last year, who's supposed to be the quarterback of the future. So they drafted another rookie the year after that. Um, I don't really understand what the Jets are doing. If anybody can explain to me what, if this makes sense to you at all, please tell me. No, it's nutty. I, I I tried to – I was looking at everything. When you put Hackenbark on the list, I think, oh, goodness sakes, Joe, what? why do you want to talk about Hackenberg? It's, it, there is, it's really, really a hard thing to untangle because I don't understand um, where the Jets are going to go with this. Geno Smith, that low passer rating year after year after year, but – what else have they got? There's no Fitzpatrick. Well, they're gonna. I think. I think there's still an opening for Fitzpatrick to come back, maybe. But uh, I don't uh, think they're gonna pay him now. No, probably not. But you never know. So it's it's. So now you got Hackenberg coming in and uh, looking at the scouting report. He's a Brian Mallet type. Looking at. Um, so, I'm, see, he's one of these one of these players that I never really saw a lot of in in, in the college. I watched a few. I don't watch college games as a as a as a rule. I watch I watch the big games, but um, I never saw a lot of Penn State. So I didn't see. A, so I have to go to YouTube to see to check the video on him. Um, I mean, with Hackenberg, stuff, really, with Hackenberg, what happened is, I mean the the coaching staff left and then the whole team kind of fell apart around him and the, the system changed and he ended up, I mean, he got hit. I mean, if he wasn't getting sacked, he was getting hit and he ended up becoming a quarterback who was just kind of looking down and he, he, and he wasn't good. And I mean, to me, it's not so much the Hackenberg pick. It's, it's, it's that, they drafted Hackenberg, so now it's kind of a given that they're not going to bring back Fitzpatrick. And what this does to Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker is huge. I mean, it's almost like the Marius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, where I'm not going after either one of these guys. That's four receivers off my board, just about. And that's, that's mm. rough, because they were you know four guys that you could usually count on. Yeah, they were, and and the thing was is that Fitzpatrick was good enough to help Marshall, and Marshall had a good year. Yes, he did. Marshall was a very strong fantasy player last year. I was, I was actually kidding myself for not targeting him. I I put him I put him off. I I I didn't draft him in any league, and uh, I felt a little bit stupid because I know he's good, and any any quarterback worth his salt didn't get him the ball. And he'll take he'll get he'll get you YAC yards after the catch and I don't know he was a, he was the third highest scoring receiver in fantasy last year yeah. and yeah, in the ESPN standard I mean he he had an awesome year and, and you know when you're when you're 20 points behind Antonio Brown who was far and away the the highest drafted receiver. You know, he lost a little bit of time, you know, from injury and whatnot. But still, I mean, 
that's that's huge production, and and I don't. I mean, I like Fitzpatrick a lot. He had a great year, in my mm-hmm. opinion, too. And, and I yeah. don't know, you know, why. I'm not saying that you guys are bashing him, but I I just don't know why he wasn't looked at as, you know, as good as as a quarterback. I mean, he was he was as steady as they came. So you know, and having both Marshall and Decker, and really no tight end game, you know, that, that helped those receivers produce what they did. Yeah, um, and actually, and you mentioned Decker. You mentioned Decker, AJ. He, his, uh, his WR2 numbers weren't bad either. Yeah. So, I mean, Fitzpatrick was – he ended up being the 12th, 12th best quarterback in uh, ESPN standard. So, you know, in a 12-team league, there you are. Um, you know, he, he, he outproduced Andy Dalton, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, all guys that probably should have been higher than him going into the season. Uh, Ryan is kind of the only one, and, and I know, Joe, you'll back me up on that one, that, that may have kind of fallen off. But I still feel like he probably would have been a top 12 guy. Andrew Luck. That's another well, he had injury issues, but you know that so that slowed him down. But still, just looking down this list, it's like you know Fitzpatrick was was no joke, and he was a good guy to have. And now, if they're not getting him back, who you know, I'm staying away from this Jets offense pretty much altogether. I mean, Marshall's the only guy I might go after, just because he's he's been a beast on bad teams before. Um, but other than that, I mean, what about the running game uh, and uh, Matt Forte going there? Do you think the running game will uh, uh, have a shout? I think I'm wondering about that. I think they could lean on the running game a lot more, especially with you know rookie quarterbacks in play, whether it's Hackenberg. I mean, Petty, in my mind, would still be kind of a rookie because he didn't really play much last year, if at all. Um, and Gino, I, hell, he's still a rookie in my mind because he really hasn't produced anything more than rookie numbers or rookie mistakes. Yeah. I think there's lots in the tank for with Forte. Um Maybe a, maybe another year or two for sure. After that, don't know. But I Forte, he's kind of like a he just keeps on going. So yeah, I, I, I like Forte. Yeah. I'm just not I'm just not really sure with these quarterbacks. You know, yeah, Forte's played with inconsistent Jay Cutler, but Jay Cutler is far and away better than Geno Smith and Bryce Petty. And probably Christian Hackenberg. It's it's a messy yeah. situation. These, none of these rookie quarterbacks really excite me this year. I think everybody reached for them, and I think all four of these teams are going to pay the price because of it. And let's see, that's how it goes with the quarterback league. Everybody thinks they need to go out and get the next guy, and sometimes just because he's the top quarterback in the draft doesn't mean he's a top quarterback. So, well, we'll, and that, we'll see. that's my argument with this is that you didn't hear anything about Goff and Wentz 
until these trades started happening. And maybe it was after the combine or, or after senior bowl or something, they started gaining a little more steam. You know, honestly, I didn't pay that much attention to it. You know, all of those items coming into the draft, but you just see these trades happening and, you know, the Rams went out and they got their California kid and, you know, the Eagles went out and traded the farm away for who they hope is coming off of the farm in, in North Dakota and uh, is going to play, play well for him in the future. Maybe he will, you know, drawing comparisons to Brett Favre is pretty uh, complimentary, but you've got to show that in the actual games. So, until he starts playing like the, you know, gunslinging Brett Favre of the late 90s and early 2000s, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I wish we had more of those picks back, but, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't think you're alone there, man. But um, let's move on to some running backs here. We've we spent long enough on these overrated quarterbacks. Probably the biggest fantasy pick in all of the NFL draft this year, Ezekiel Elliott goes to my rival team, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, as much as it pains me to say this, even though Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris are there, I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to run away with this running back job and be a workhorse for this team. This guy is incredible. He took over college games. I mean, he looked far and away like the best player on the field. And I like Alfred Morris still, even though he signed with the Dallas Cowboys, so I feel kind of bad for him. But, you know, what what are your all's takes on Elliott and then how this affects McFadden and and, and Alf? Well, I – for one thing you mentioned about his, his his talent is there, but there's but there's a lot of other things too. He's a student of the game. Uh, at Ohio State, he went through the he went through the um, uh, you know that program with uh, Urban, and 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 he's and he's a he's a tough coach to uh, play for. He expects a lot out of his players, and Elliot, you know, he put uh, he put in a hundred percent. All the time, the offensive line made him an off, uh, made him a, an honorary offensive lineman because he's because he blocks, he helps blocking, and coaches just love that. Man, he's got everything, and and uh, boy, uh, probably one of the top targeted rookies of 2016 for sure. Number one with me, anyway. Yeah, how early do you, how early are you guys taking him in, in drafts? Uh, I I mean, with the parity that was the running back position last year, I mean, you really, I still feel like you have to stockpile guys at this position because you never know what week your guy is going to get injured. And I mean, he he's a, just a he's a true talent. He's going to run all over the place behind that offensive line. And, you know, having learned from Urban Meyer, who is basically the uh, the real-life version of DJ Khalid, Ludacris, Rick Ross, T-Pain, all I do is win, win, win. 
I mean, the guy is an animal of a coach, and he used this guy to his talent. And as long as Dallas does the same thing, they're going to have, you know, the second coming of DeMarco Murray two years ago, I think, um, very easily. So I'd probably look at him. I don't like drafting rookies high as it is, but I wouldn't mind going after him in, you know, as early as the fifth or sixth round. Ooh. I think I'm going earlier than that, man. I think I'm going yeah, late second, early third. I I I, I would I, I I'm very tempted to take second uh, around. Um, yeah, I definitely would you take him as worth, your first running reach. back? I would reach uh, first round. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no running, running back. I'm sorry, yes. your first, as your first running back, not your first round. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Like if there's back. talk yeah. coming out of camp that he's going to take the the starting job, then yes. Behind this team, this offensive line made Dare McFadden fantasy relevant. Can you imagine what they're going to do to this kid? That's true. Yeah, McFadden, <laughs> I mean, Dare McFadden had been terrible and I never for thought so many years. Would say that. I know. Emmett and, and and Smith has praised him as saying, Emmett Smith himself said, he's better than me. And if it comes from if it if it comes from uh, Emmett Smith saying he's better than me, well that's quite that's, high praise. And Ezekiel responded by Ezekiel responded by saying, "I've got a lot to live up to." If he's saying that about me, I've got to <laughs> got to live up to that. Well, see, and that's nice because it shows that you know he's a humble guy and he's not he's not coming into this like he yeah, I already got this starting guy. gig, blah blah blah. <laughs> You know, whatever. Well, to 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 that response, that it's a humbled response. But no, when that's you go true. up and you you unbutton your jacket and you've only got half a shirt on because that's what you did with your jersey. <laughs> say, when you're wearing a mid, you know, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like uh, a, that's why I wore, That's why I went with a bow tie. If you went with a full tie, it would have just looked really weird. That yeah. That was that was definitely uh, an interesting get up. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, Elliot is definitely the the head of the class here. Um, another running back that you know, I, I'm kind of mixed on this guy as far as how he's going to relate to the NFL. He's a huge, huge guy. Um, Derek Henry. I don't care as much about him as where he landed, and it's Tennessee. And mm-hmm. Tennessee, you know, went out and made that trade to get DeMarco Murray, and you're thinking, all right, DeMarco Murray going to be, a, you know, the guy again, unlike he was in, in Philly. And then the Titans go out and do this. And you're – you're scratching your head going, why did you trade for DeMarco Murray if you're just going to go get the second-best running back in the draft? Well, get the Heisman guy. And you look at the national championship and all that stuff. Henry, you know, he's just he's awesome. And and yet he lands on the Titans, and you're thinking, you know, I'm not a, if it was another team, if he went to the Cowboys, I'd be – I'd be I'd be probably high on him like Elliot if he went to the Cowboys. You know, it's it you're right, Joe. It 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 whatever whatever offense how does he fit in and uh 
And DeMarco Murray, down goes the value there. Well, I yeah, I mean, look at look at the, the core of running backs that Tennessee had. You know, they had uh, Bishop Sankey, who like two years ago was getting all kinds of hype and, you know, the cat's meow and he was going to be the guy and he did absolutely nothing. Guy had 39 standard points last year and, and he was running behind, you know, Antonio Andrews, who I guess was their starter. You know, they had Sean Green on their mm-hmm. roster, Leon Washington. It's like, hey, let's uh, let's go pillage the New York Jets for, for their retread running backs and mm-hmm. see if they can do Cobb, anything here. Um, I've got a little hype, too. Yeah, David Cobb's the other one I was just about to mention. Like, I mean, he had one touchdown. Sankey had one touchdown. Andrews had three touchdowns. Jalston Fowler, whoever that is, had seven carries for 13 yards and a touchdown. Uh, also had a receiving touchdown. So, you know, this is just horrific production out of the second, in my mind, second most important uh, position on your offense um, as far as scoring and producing. But, you know, they they went out and they got the Marco from the Eagles, part of their you know, abandonment of as many draft picks as they could get, or actually they got draft picks to give away for Wentz with that trade. Uh, you know, and, and the thing that that bothers me about the Murray debacle in Philly was that it was completely the wrong system for him. He, he per- produced so much in Dallas because it was a, a much stronger offensive line and a north-south running game, which is what he is good at. He cannot run east to west at all. So if Tennessee has any clue, they'll watch some of that tape and figure out that system real quick and make DeMarco a power back. And and honestly, I think Henry's the same way. He's, he's going to be a guy who's going to pound the rock up the field. He's not looking – to, to go sideways and then try to find a hole, he's going to rush and he's going to find the hole quick and get through it and then be gone. I mean, he's a big, bruising, powerful guy, and that's the system yeah. that both of these guys need to play in. Um, you know, I, I think Tennessee needs help up front on their offensive line. Uh, that's what they were talking about, you know, when they had the number one pick before they traded it, that they were going to go out and – possibly get somebody to help protect uh, Mariota back there, you know, their franchise quarterback. That's what they, that's what they need. So I think, you know, both of these guys can have decent seasons, but I think it's going to be a systems game again. And, yeah. and if it's the wrong system, both of them are going to fail miserably. Yeah. I, I and, smell, uh, I, it, it really smells of the, uh, one of those committee things. Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, it's definitely going to be. So I smell it's definitely going to be coming. really interesting. Yeah, but that's, uh, that's the thing too. What happens? What happens to all of these guys who got you? You know, a total of seven, eight touchdowns between ground and air last year. You know, they're just relegated to third string and practice squad at this point because they've got the name power behind Murray. And Henry, so uh, you know those guys. If I were those guys, I'd be 
I'd be pretty upset, but they're not some great to write home about. Sorry. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to want to. They're not going to want to run Henry into the ground, so it, it's and with Demarco Murray, you've got to, it. It really looks. It's got that committee. It's got committee written all over it. I don't like committees in fantasy. <laughs> Nobody does. I don't think. No, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> um, so we uh, got a couple other quick running backs. Not a whole lot to say about these guys. It's just kind of more, um, you know, winner or loser type of deals here. Kenyon Drake got drafted by the Dolphins, and I think this is a big, big, big win for Jay Ajayi. And uh, I'm happy. I traded for Ajayi in a dynasty league, just hoping that the Dolphins weren't going to take Elliott or somebody like that or trade for anybody good. And so far they haven't, and they drafted this, you know, Smaller, faster running back, Kenyon Drake. I think he'll be a good complimentary piece, but I don't think he's going to take over any sort of um, major role. Like, I think it's still J.H.I.'s, you know, backfield for the most part. Um, and then C.J. Prosy, Prosy, I do not know how to pronounce that name, and Alex Collins, they both get drafted by Seattle. And, and this is more telling to me that maybe Thomas Rawls is not quite healing from his injury last year as everybody hopes he is, or that maybe Seattle doesn't think he can be the, the main guy. What, what do you guys think about that one? Well, I like right. Rawls a lot. Um, I, I picked him up, you know, actually a couple of times last year just to try to get him and, and, take advantage because I was a Marshawn owner. So um, if he's not fully healthy going into this year, I mean, we're still trying to figure out whether or not Marshawn could play. I, I'm probably leaning towards not, but who knows. So these guys could definitely cut into his time for sure. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's yet to be seen. It's hard to predict being this early and, you know, the fact that they are draft picks, they're just trying to figure out maybe if if Marshawn does leave and they're thinking that that's where they're going, they need to uh, they need to get more more help behind Rawls. For me, uh, it 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 uh, like Joe says, you know, you're kind of wondering where what are the Seahawks up to with this? Uh, they're it could be, it's one of those things where training camp is going to be something to watch uh, for the Seahawks. And uh, I'm a little bit confused about the Seahawks because it looks like they were trying to transition into a, into a, into a more balanced offense uh, in the second half of the season last year. So where does it go uh, beyond this? But, uh yeah, it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to watch. It's going to be one of those things that I'm going to keep an eye on. I know early early ADPs have Thomas Rawls going fairly early, I believe, and uh, you know for for good reason. I mean, he was a stud last year when he played, so uh, that could backfire on, on a lot of people, you know, who drafted him. Yeah. Moving on to some receivers here, um, 
a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of receivers that were drafted, and and um, the the first receiver off the board was the guy that went to Cleveland, and you know, I honestly don't know much about Corey Coleman. I don't know why I don't have any idea who this guy is, even though he went the first receiver taken. The Browns, though, they drafted five wide receivers. I mean. If that isn't a sign that you know Josh Gordon is not coming back, they obviously lost Benjamin, and they're trying to go all in to help RG3 out. Like, I don't know what is, but like, do you guys think any of the receivers they took are any good? You know, is this going to matter? I mean, it's still the Browns, right? I mean, that's kind of the way I feel about it. Well, Corey Coleman played outside in, in college, Apparently, and I don't know if he's got uh, enough size to to uh, to play the outside. He's got the speed. I love speed, and he's got that in spades. So if the Browns are going for speed, Corey Coleman's the one. Whether he's big enough for to be the, to 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 work the outside, which is what he was doing in college, I don't know how he I don't know how he'd work on the inside again. He's another training camp uh, watch. I would be definitely watching him in in the in training camp and uh, how how RG three uh, um, j- uh, jives with him, you know, to see if there's yeah. a chemistry there. Yeah, I mean, I think with them bringing RG three in and you know drafting all of these guys, uh, they may be looking to try to do some sort of spread. And if they can get RG3 out out in space and and they got Coleman running down the field, you know, uh, with his speed, you know, that could could cause some, some, uh, you know, mismatches on defensive side for whoever the Browns are playing and and could come up big for them. So, uh, you know. I don't really know too much about him either myself, but when you draft that many receivers, it's got to scream that, A, you don't have faith in the guys you have, uh, and you don't think that your star is going to be back. I don't think Josh Gordon's going to be back. I'd be surprised if he plays another game of football in his career, um, and hopefully he proves me wrong because I'd love to see him back on the field. He's an extremely talented guy. Uh, I just need to stay off the weed. You know, him and, him yeah. and Laramie Tunsil might, might be hanging out a bit too much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what is it with these Browns anyway? He's, yeah, he, of course, in, hanging out with Manziel. And, or, I don't get it. But, well, that's just a horrible know. idea to begin with. I, I don't think – the only way that I would go and hang out with Johnny Manziel is to, A, enjoy the ride and have him buy me drinks for the whole night. B, laugh my ass off at how stupid he has become in his life uh, and see if I decided that my life was no longer worth living. Then I would go hang out with Johnny Manziel and, and just destroy myself like he has done to himself. It's a sad story, honestly, though. I, I, I hope he gets the help and realizes what's going on in his, uh, his what's become a, a sad, pathetic life. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Um, so the next wide receiver taken was 
the Texans drafting Will Fuller. And, you know, I don't actually think that Will Fuller is going to do a whole lot this year, except be able to be enough to take double teams away from DeAndre Hopkins. And that is huge because DeAndre Hopkins definitely had a couple games where he couldn't break away from coverage because all they were doing was focusing two, three guys on him because Houston had nobody else. Um, so, you know, do you guys think that Will Fuller is going to, is going to do, do anything this, this coming year or you think it's just kind of a wait and see with him? Well, not enough targets uh, for for me. I, I don't think he'll get enough targets. What do you think, AJ? Yeah, uh, I don't either. I, I mean, just looking at these numbers, they are gaudy. DeAndre Hopkins had 192 targets last year. That's absurd to me. And 111 of them he caught. Um, but he's going to have those games, like like Joe said, that you're not putting anything up and that hurts your product, you know, productivity for your stud receiver. But I don't, I don't see Fuller being the guy to, to take those targets away from them. I mean, they still got shorts on the roster. Um, you know, I think, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be their main second option to go to, um, at least looking at it this way right now. Uh, their their tight end position is atrocious right now, so I don't see anything happening there. Um, I just don't see the targets there either. Yeah, it's it's definitely. Um, I mean, he he's definitely kind of an underneath guy, so he's kind of a nice complement to Hopkins. But I, I just I'm not really feeling him. The guy and. I don't care if you want to call me a homer, but I absolutely love the next receiver for fantasy purposes next year. The Washington Redskins drafted Josh Doxson, and I think that this guy could be something special. 6'2", he's a little bit lean. He's in the you know 205-ish range, I believe. But this guy is, is a special talent, and I'm actually kind of surprised. I mean – I guess maybe because they already had Hopkins is kind of the same type of player, but this is a receiver that the Redskins have needed for a long time. They've been kind of desperate to have a big receiver. They've got Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, all little guys, Crowder, a little guy, Andre, um, <laughs> not, not Andre Johnson, um, Roberts. Yeah, Andre Roberts, another little guy. Like they've all got, they're all like six feet and under. This guy's six two. Um, and he's a big play threat, and it's going to be big. It, it'll be the big, the big get for the Redskins and and uh, and Cousins here. I just kind of wonder, like, what does this really mean for the future for Deshaun Jackson and Garcon? And do they maybe cut Roberts going into the year? I kind of think they do. And you know, I I kind of wouldn't be surprised if this is the last year we see Jackson and. Garcon on the on the field for the Redskins. Uh, Garcon for sure. I think I think it's definitely a phase out for Garcon. I think they're phasing him out. Josh Doxson goes in and uh, and does the other side with uh, with with Jackson. 
I think I think you'll see him, and uh, I think you'll you'll see Dotson taking a lot of snaps. So, where I from where I sit, I think Garcon is a uh, he's it's the well it, it's it's time for the pasture pretty soon. Yeah, Garcon is you know Joe. I know you you love your yourself some Garcon, and he, I used to. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm over with him. You're you're finally over it. That's good. That's we've good. we've you, you, we've broken up. <laughs> you guys have uh, parted your ways mutually and uh, and whatnot. I mean, he had 110 targets last year, so Maybe he nothing still with had <laughs> some production. You know, he he was getting the balls. You know, getting the looks, not necessarily getting the ball, but getting the looks. Um, Deshaun's a streaky guy. He was injured for a while too, so. I think that hurt his overall production. You know, Crowder, eh, had an okay year. You know, only like two Crowder. touchdowns, though. Um, you know, he, he had 600 yards. So, I think, you know, he's going to be more of a of a threat this year, I think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Dachson, he's a huge receiver. I, I think he was definitely a solid get for the, for the Skins. Um, and it, it pains me to see all these guys that we're talking about on teams that aren't named Philadelphia Eagles, um, but play them, you know, twice a year. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like boxing for them a lot. And, you know, if Cousins has another year like he did last year, uh, he's going to he's gonna get his. He's definitely going to be a productive, uh, you know, aiding factor on that team. Yeah, so I've got four more receivers I want to mention here, and I want you guys to pick your your favorite out of these guys. So Laquan Treadwell went to the Vikings. Sterling Shepard went to the Giants. And then we've got the guys that I feel like you always have to mention. Michael Thomas went to the Saints. The Saints draft yet another receiver. And then Malcolm Mitchell goes to the Patriots. And I feel like you always have to mention the guy that gets drafted by the Patriots and has Tom Brady throwing him the ball. But, Richard, we'll start with you. Who do you like out of those four more than anybody, and or do you not like any of them? Uh, I'm not crazy on any of them, but if if I was to pick the least, I would pick anybody from the I'll – take, I'll take something out of your book, Joe, that you said before on a, uh, on a program that I think I remember some time back, uh, that you'll never draft a Vikings receiver ever again. <laughs> yeah, to Charles Johnson no, last year. Not. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a page out of your book and say that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch any Vikings receivers uh, this year, and uh, I, but uh, and Saints, uh, you know that's just another it's just another apple into the into the basket. Um, really, you've got to look at. Uh, I guess maybe Sterling Shepard, perhaps, as probably, you know, maybe at a WR2 possibility. I mean, you got, he's up against OBJ. I mean, he's on the other side. You know, I think he's probably, he might show some stuff. He's a littler, he's a smaller guy. So I, I, I would probably, I guess, I guess if I have to take it, I'll, I'll, I'll take the Giants, Sterling Shepard. I guess if I have to choose. All right. Yeah. What about you? 
I'm going Michael Thomas here. I mean, to me, that's kind of a no-brainer. I, I don't necessarily think I'm drafting any of these guys either. Um, but Thomas is going into a great situation. You know, he's got an all-star stud quarterback throwing to him and, uh, you know, and Drew Brees. There's no more Ben Watson there to take balls away from him. There's no more Marcus Colston there to take balls away from him. Um I think he's going to step up big and, you know, and be the next Brandon Cooks. Um, He's surrounded by young receivers, yet I'm pretty sure he's the tallest of the bunch. So, you know, he's a big dude at 6'3", 209. I think he's going to have a, a pretty good impact on that team. Yeah, honestly, for so for me, real quick, for me, it's it's Sterling Shepard. I think that he's going to be a very nice complimentary piece to Odell Beckham. He he plays he plays the game differently than him. You know, Odell Beckham downfield, stretch the field. Um, Shepard's going to go over the middle, draw coverage, and he'll be you know the second option on most plays. But he'll I'm sure he'll be number one on a lot. I thought about going for Michael Thomas, but I don't know what it is. I feel like the Saints and the Patriots always draft some receiver every single year, and he's like the next hot commodity because exactly for the reasons you said, AJ, he gets, you know, he's going to be, oh, he's going to have Drew Brees or Tom Brady throwing him the ball. Well, that's that's good, but I kind of like what Richard said more, and it's just another weapon. Yeah, they're not gonna have Colston anymore, uh, but yeah, I know they still need so many weapons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's so many weapons on that team, and there always are. And so it's like unless this guy somehow becomes better than Brandon Cooks or better than Marquise Colson, I don't see how he's really going to be super fantasy relevant because the ball gets spread around so much there that nobody ends up becoming a superstar in fantasy football. And they end up becoming very inconsistent in fantasy football, which which kills you. Um, so that's, that's my take on them. Yeah, so... Back to that though, they've got all right. They've got Ingram in the backfield. He's obviously the main guy. They've got Spiller, who showed last year he wasn't worth a damn. Uh, Willie Sneed is good, you know, and, and Brandon Cooks is good. Their backups right now are are Reggie Bell and Brandon Coleman. Coleman uh, is actually six six two twenty five, so he's the tallest of the bunch of receivers. You know, even bigger than Thomas, but. I still think he's going to make an impact there. I mean, you've got Kobe Fleener coming in. He didn't do anything in Indianapolis in his time there. I love there. Kobe Fleener. Oh, Fleener's I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine I with Kobe Fleener going there. I'm fine with him going there. I think it's only going to help him um, yeah. become, you know, maybe the next Jimmy Graham. Big, big shoes to fill there. You know, Jimmy Graham in New Orleans put it that way, not Jimmy Graham of last year in Seattle. Um, again, injuries slow to season, but whatever. He wasn't as productive as, as he was in New 
think Fleener is going to get a lot of the targets that Colson may have seen, but at the same time, well, you got to think they don't just, have Benjamin Watson anymore. So Benjamin well, Watson, I mean. so old man Ben Watson, Watson's, had... he's taking Watson's, you know, targets as it is as the main tight end, um, and then, you know, is he going to be the guy that's going to pick up for for where Colston left off? No, I, I don't think that he is. Mm. He'll get some other targets. So you think I'm he's going to be better than Colston, or do you think he'll be worse than Colston? Who? Fleener or Thomas? Thomas. Oh, I think Thomas will be – I think he'll be better than Colston, the past, the Colston of the past few years. I mean, so Colston last year was 45-5-20-4. and four. I mean – not great at all. So I mean, in order to be fancy relevant, I mean, he's got to get up there near, you know, he's near the Ben Watson seven, range. Uh, seven, eight, yeah, seven, eight hundred yards at least, and and six, maybe seven touchdowns. I think at least. To so be let relevant. me just tell you this. Let me just tell you this, and let's see if this changes your mind at all. You just said he has to have six, uh, seven hundred yards, and six, seven touchdowns to be fancy relevant. There were three guys on the Saints last year who had over 700 yards, Cooks, Watson, and Sneed. There were two guys who had over six touchdowns, Watson and Cooks. They spread the ball around too much. This is why oh, I, I don't agree. like rookie receivers in the Saints offense. I agree. Fact, they're that a they hard offense to rely on. I like, I like Cooks. Um, but I just I'm gonna have a hard time buying into the Michael Thomas. So, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have to see how it pans out. But I I do like him going to that situation. I think it's a good situation to be in. And if oh, there's if you go a, to a situation. <laughs> I mean, if you, and the yeah, run if and you, the run offense of the Saints too has to come into it too, and that's something that they've been doing. Fleener might change a little bit of that. They might go back to this this thing they had when uh, when Jimmy Graham was with the team. So, uh, so where uh, from where I stand, it it's it is just uh, you know a, another rookie receiver that, that that sort of gets lost in the mix. Um, you know, he could come out and he could you know put up the numbers you know like like Snead or something like that, but. I'm not chancing it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I'm going out there and drafting this guy on no. draft day, but he's someone I'm going to keep an eye on and and see what he can do. Um, I mean, Col- Colston, yeah, his his output wasn't great and probably was almost borderline roster worthy last year, depending on how deep your league was, but. You know, if he if he can top that as a rookie, that's that's a success in my mind. Fair enough, fair enough. Anyway, um, so yeah, Richard, is there any other last minute guys? We you know we we got to wrap up here, but is there anybody that that we missed that you definitely want to mention here? Is somebody that you're keeping an eye on? I'm uh, I'm actually keeping an eye on. Uh... With the uh, with the resumed the resumption of Brady's uh, uh, suspension, he's going to be out for four games. 
he's going to have a there's going to be a backup to Garoppolo called the Brissett, Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, and he's uh, he he looks he kind of he's he's in that same sort of thing like Russell Wilson and Cam Newton. He's on. I'm kind of going to keep my eye on him to see uh, um, how they're going to work him uh, for those for the period that uh, that Brady's out. See if they give him some snaps, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of interested in. I'm always interested in what the Patriots do because you know they're uh, they're a sneaky bunch, the uh, uh, Belichick crew. And uh, so I'm I'm actually interested in Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback uh, that that the Patriots have picked up in round three. All right. Well, that's uh, definitely a name to keep an eye on for sure. Um, but yeah, so we'll have to. Uh, but the let you go here so we can close out with, with AJ's rant here for a few minutes. And uh, you want to let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and all that good stuff? Yes, uh, you can find me at uh, RRS Seville um, at, and on Twitter. And, uh, and I'm uh, the football writer at uh, 96pack.net, the uh, content manager for, uh, for, the, for the site. And uh, I hope to talk to you soon. And uh, I'll be putting up my uh, articles on the uh, running backs and quarterbacks, my takes on uh, on some of the names that we've discussed tonight. So thanks for having me tonight, Joe. I mean, yeah, thanks for coming on. It was a good conversation, man. Have a good one. Take care now. Yeah, good night, Richard. All right, you too, man. Take care. So uh, I think... I will hand the mic over to you and let you do your thing, man. All right. Dick Bixby checking in for his weekly uh, soapbox minute here. Uh, tonight's rant, we're going to go on a, on a little bit of a whirlwind about guys that you decide you're going to bench but then see that they're putting up great stats for your bench and how much that hurts you overall. Uh, my example tonight uh, started off being Patrick Corbin, um, Arizona starting pitcher. Uh, earlier on, when I first put his name down, he was uh, it, it was still early in the game, but he was lined up for a quality start, uh, lined up for a win as well, um, and, and things were looking good for him. But now that I uh, check back in on that game, Miami has overtaken Arizona uh, with a currently a five to four lead in the top of the seventh, one man on, one out. You know, Goldschmidt at the plate, he could easily pop one out of here and uh make it make it back in Arizona's favor. But the practice of this and, and people are gonna call it mismanagement. They're gonna call it uh you're an idiot. Um they're gonna call it why did you bench this guy? He's a stud. That only, you know, works for some of these guys. But Patrick Corbin has not been that good this year. And, you know, he had a great year a few years back. He had uh, the injury issues, and he was out for a while. So he was kind of a sleeper coming into this year. But now that I look at it, all right, I'm not that worried about benching him. I'm actually pretty happy that I did. And uh, he's he's sitting out there and, you know, just not putting up the numbers that uh, – that he should be yet. It's, a, it's still an early season. 
But one guy I am kind of mad I benched is, uh, you know, my hometown boy from Philly, Aaron Nola. Um, he's, he's working through five innings, got five Ks, only two hits against the Cardinals, and uh, one walk. So that there, that hurts. You know, he, he gets through another inning. He's obviously at a quality start, assuming he doesn't give up more than three runs. Um, but I benched him looking at last night's absolute blowout after the Phillies had gone on a six-game win streak. Nobody's talking about this team. They were the hottest team in baseball, you know, over the last week, in my opinion. Uh, they're not to be mentioned anywhere. So that's a whole different rant. But just this, this idea of guys that have been kind of up and down and when to bench them and when not to bench them. It's just like what we were talking about earlier with, with the smack talk. I'm coming full circle here, all right? Bringing it back to the beginning of the show to end out the show. You do it. It's a negative thing. It comes back to bite you in the ass. So thank you, Patrick Corbin, for at least helping my cause and sucking again tonight. Um, but thank you, Aaron Nola, for having a good game and hopefully – pulling one out for the Phils to make it, uh, you know, seven out of eight games, I guess it would be now. Do your thing. Keep pitching. And, uh, yeah, keep on keeping on, people. Enjoy the evening. Dick Bixby, go on. <laughs> so, I don't have a whole lot to say about this, except last year in our league, you benched Corey Kluber just in time for him to pitch eight innings, shutout ball, one hit ball, with 18 strikeouts against none other than St. Louis, actually, which is really funny. And you had to sit there and watch 18 strikeouts just rack up on your bench. So be careful, I'd say, benching your studs. Studs usually figure it out. Yeah, well, in my defense, again, Kluber, horrible throughout most of last year. I don't care. And and, and but going against the Cardinals team, you know, that's a very very solid offensive team. It is based based on what he had done. Nobody was predicting eighteen. MFing strikeouts no, in that game. No, you don't predict 18 strikeouts. Especially. <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, unless you're Roger Clemens and you're like, hey, I just shot something in. I'm good to go. You know, let's go for another 20. But, no, that, that game killed me, and it lost me that matchup. Just flat out lost me that matchup because yeah. I would have taken back ERA. I would have easily taken back K's. I would have taken back Whip. Uh, don't. I think he got the win, obviously, but don't remember if that would have been a, an effect on the matchup. But three of those categories, just peace. See ya. Not coming back. Yep. Thanks for thanks for hooking my bench up. Uh, you know, it's it's it was horrible. That was bad. Yep. I just thought I had I, – I just had to call you out a little bit there because I definitely remember that last year, and I'm going to remind you of that every chance I get. 
I I also remember that every game that he pitches, like, <laughs> I don't have I don't have him on a single team this year. In fact, I think I was actually offered him in a trade um, in our league. Uh, I don't remember. It might have been Joe Buck yourself that that threw him in initially, or somebody tried to give him to me, and I was just like, no, no, keep him away from my team. I have no desire to have that guy ever again. And it's probably because of that game. Yeah, but, I definitely have some of those players that have burned me, and well, I yeah, want no I mean, part I'm, of them. I get it. We might as well we might as well call myself out some more with uh, you know your notes here on on JD Martinez. I was uh, riding high on him coming into this year, and I still have faith in him. I it, it's a long he's season. He's doing fine. I was making fun of you because you no. Benched him last week. week. Fine. He's doing fine. It's uh, April. He still has three home runs. He's still bad. Two seventy five. He's in double digits runs and RBI. He's fine. He'll figure it out. He'll get the power. Will come back. What I made fun of. What I was gonna make fun of you for is is you ended up. Uh, ben, you didn't drop him. You benched him last week, and he went and like hit a home run, <laughs> like the next game. I, yeah, I benched him the day that <laughs> I think I you ended him. up dropping Wellington Castillo in our league too, and he started to hit too. Like, and Ian Desmond, you got a little itchy trigger finger, man. You got to just relax and just let people figure it out. Good players are good players. You just gotta let them calm down. I'm gonna go back at my matchup in my other league and look what Martinez did. Because it was on Wednesday, the 27th. And, uh, yeah, 19 points for my bench. Thanks, J.D. Martinez. Uh, Trevor yeah, Story finally came out of his hole. I benched him that day for uh, uh, Diaz, Aledemes Diaz, uh, although Diaz had 16 points that day, so I wasn't too upset about that. But I had Carlos Gomez, who somebody dropped in my league, and I, I picked up immediately, um, but I've since dropped him and lost him now to the guy I'm playing this week. Carlos Gomez got zero points. That could have been J.D. Martinez's 19 points. Cole Calhoun got one point for my utility spot. Could have been my nine points from Trevor Story. Uh, I also, mm. uh, while I'm ranting, because this, this is a really good one right now, actually, now that you bring this up, thanks for thanks for poking the bear here. Uh, Cole Calhoun <laughs> benched on Sunday, the last day of the matchup. I played Michael Franco, zero. Trevor Story, zero. Jose Bautista, J.D. Martinez, your boy, one point each. Hunter Pence, thank you for the 13. Adelamez Diaz, however, however the fuck you say his name, a zero. Cole Calhoun, 12 points for my bench. Jake Odorizzi, 21 points for my bench over John Ooh. Lackey's six, 16. I figured Lackey was a lock against Atlanta. Uh, thankfully, the Cubs came back and tied it. Otherwise, it would have only been 14. Final score of the matchup was, uh, let me go back here. It just did not go to the right place. Uh, all those bench points that I just told you about, how many points do you think I lost by last week? Just take a guess. With all that sitting on my bench. I'm going to go with like 15. 
one. The answer oh, you're looking for is one God. point. Oh, you play any one of those guys and it's over. One. Oh, man, that sucks. You know why yeah. I lost? Because Boston and New York did not get freaking rained out on Sunday night. And Craig Kimbrell, instead of blowing games like he had been doing all season, decided to get a save for once and push this guy over the edge by one point. Mm. That is such a kick to the field that it's – I'd rather lose by 76 points uh, or even 20 points. At least it's like, okay, well, I could have played J.D. Martinez and maybe been closer. Oh, wait, if I played J.D. Martinez that day, it would have been one point. So, yeah, mismanagement, luck, miss luck, call it what you want. It is the joy that is fantasy sports. It wouldn't be fun if we knew exactly what was going to happen, although it would win a lot more money. Uh... Oh, I would have a blast with that. Absolutely have a blast. <laughs> of course you would. Of Back to the would. future. I was just gonna uh, say you would be you would be Biff and steal the steal the. I the I magazine. would I would be Biff. Fourth and, almanac. And I would I would be the only Biff that would ever live because I would go to the future and change everybody's idea of naming their kid Biff because my name is Biff and I am all knowing sports guy. That's how biffed I would be. <laughs> okay. All right. This, this conversation has turned for the worst. We need to close up shop here. We are running out of time. So no Twitter questions this week. We ran out of time, but uh, be sure to get them in for next week. We will we will answer them on air for you. Um, everybody have a good night, and see you all next week. <laughs>